0: What's going on, everybody? This is Tanner from tanmanbaseballfan.com, and I'm sitting here with somebody that I actually named my child after. It is uh, Dr. James Beckett. How are you doing, sir?
1: What a uh, what a great introduction. There are not many people that can introduce me that way. I'm honored to be here, Tanner.
0: Well, yeah, it's funny because um, for for decades, really, the name Beckett was just a magazine to me, and not really just a magazine, but you know, right behind the Bible. You know, I, I, I grew up with that magazine. I, I, you know, read it voraciously. I loved it so much. And then I saw that you had a podcast yourself and I jumped out of my skin. I was so excited to be able to um, listen to you talk. And so you have this format, which is really interesting. It is completely opposite of what I do on my show because I, I say show in air quotes because it's just me talking and rambling every now and then very randomly for eight minutes or two hours, it depends. But you have uh, something for 15 minutes almost every day except for Sunday and holidays, is that right? Pretty much, yeah. yeah.
1: Okay. I don't do Sundays and, I, and certain holidays I don't do.
0: Okay, okay. So I think a lot of, for a lot of people that listen to this, they might be in my shoes that I was several months ago that the name Beckett is a magazine, it's a price guide. But there's actually a Dr. James Beckett and uh, there's a lot of people that know you. Obviously, you know you're you certainly are are worthy of being on the Mount Rushmore of the of the hobby for sure. Um, but uh, you know, I would love to hear some about your collecting origins if you could tell us.
1: Well, like most, uh, you know, everybody has a start in collecting, and for me it was uh, my dad had been a collector, and so I, I think my dad gave me a penny for my first pack, and I bought it and. Uh, I would say the rest is history, but I didn't immediately become an avid collector. Uh, but I was aware that there were, and there, there were a lot of collectors in my neighborhood as I got a little bit older. I think there, you need to be able to read. You know? So I was seven, eight, nine, you get in there. By nine, I was collecting pretty, pretty aggressively. But I never had much money. You know, I was one of the ones that, you know, when I'd, I should have kept the wrappers, I should have kept them. I would say the wax box, but I didn't, you know, I didn't, I never bought a box. I, I bought a pack at a time. Uh, traded the gum for another card or two, you know, so I never really chewed the gum. Uh, and it just escalated. I mean, I took a break for for college, uh, pretty much a break for high school and college. But other than that, I've been collecting my whole life and uh, uh, dealing uh, before I did price guides and all that. So I was, you know, it's like I said, I, I, I had done every maybe not every, every job, but I did pretty much every. I promoted shows, I started a collecting club, uh, really have immersed in the, in the industry and loved it. I met, I met some great lifelong friends and been really, really blessed. Okay, okay. And uh, what would you
0: say, um, since you've been in the hobby for you know several decades now, what would you say um, was your most enjoyable time period in this hobby? Would you say it's now or would you say it's the 80s, the
1: 60s, what would you say? uh probably the wow well, let's see it wouldn't have been the i mean i enjoyed the 50s because uh you know that's when i first started collecting the 60s not much going on in the 60s uh the 70s was like the wild west that was pretty exciting because it was you, i was in on the ground floor of something that was you just knew this thing was And it was so much fun. There weren't that many collectors. There weren't that many, there weren't any shows. And then there were starting to be shows. And I was one of the regulars and I was one of the in the know, you know, dealers. I knew pretty quickly what, what, what was uh, scarcer and, and what would eventually be more valuable. The eighties were really exciting. And I started the company in that decade, the nineties, it probably dropped off a little bit, I think. We had, uh, there was some huge success the first half of the 90s. Of course, then 96, I had a heart attack. So that kind of changed everything. But I did survive. I was miraculously revived. Praise God. (laughs) Um, And then after that, I pretty much was an executive. You know, I became the CEO, I mean, I already was the CEO, but I was more of like a CEO and a chairman of the board kind of guy so I wasn't as involved in the day-to-day stuff after that and then in the 2000s halfway through the 2000s I sold a company and then I had a non-compete and I decided I didn't do a whole lot for a while there and then the last 10 years or so I've jumped back in I've had an account with Com C and I've enjoyed you know just going to some shows here and there and going back to being a hobbyist I, I so I was most it, to answer your question, the most enjoyment was, was kind of being a collector slash dealer, you know, and that was mostly in the seventies. And then now, you know, where I don't have to make a payroll or make uh you know, have all these uh, uh, deadlines.
0: Okay. Okay. So, so
1: what's your, what's your collecting focus nowadays anyway? I try not to have a focus. My collecting focus is to have less cards each year that I had the year before. So uh, I have too many cards when you come up here and see my uh, you know my display you'll you'll see there's too many cards to get to some of the good ones. So if I have less cards, it will allow the cards I would like to show you more prominence and more space, more room to breathe. So I'm not trying to get more cards. I'll, but then my wife says, well why why did you just come back from this show with this these boxes of cards? so I was, they're just too good to pass up. You know, that's, it just, I pick up a few cards for my own collection for my display wall. And then I I can, you know, sell off the rest. So it's just, but again, it's on the order of a hobbyist. I'm not looking to be some big business or have employees or anything like that. So very fun. It's the greatest hobby.
0: So you're really just kind of enjoying it now. You're like on, on your show, I talked about um, how when I was seven or eight years old, I went with some family friends up in the mountains and there's this you know very nice river and we were just uh kids collecting these just gorgeous looking rocks it almost sounds like that's kind of what you're doing nowadays with baseball cards huh
1: well except that i sell the rocks that, uh, that are that, <laughs> that are uh, really more appreciated by you know if you um but there's a skill to that i mean I, for all those years of doing price guides if something is um you know i've said this if it's uh, low supply and low demand. A lot of people will pass that by because it, it's not going to sell and what i've learned from com c and from other places and in, in just from being at shows is that it may not sell for 10 years so well, most people are not going to even they're not going to pay a dollar for something that's going to sell for five bucks in 10 years mm-hmm. absolutely but i don't you know it doesn't bother me plus i'm enjoying it gives me something. So it, it broadens my focus. If I went to a show and I'm just saying, do you have any obscure Roberto Clemente stuff? You know, I'd be in and out of the show in 10 minutes because every deal said, sorry, I don't. And then the one person would have something said, yes, actually I have something and, and I know that you want it and I'm going to price it at X, even though it's worth half of X and you can afford it and uh, show me the money. And I said, well, I, I don't want it that bad.
0: Yeah, I I remember going into shows when I was deep into super collecting Canseco and coming to the realization that looking at these hundreds of tables, realizing that absolutely nobody's going to have a single thing that I want, you know, and, and so focus, I think is a good thing, but also being able to look at the entire hobby with just this wonderment of, you know, what's out there, what catches my eye. There's something to be said about that for sure.
1: I love that. I love that. And I've, I've mentioned Rich Klein and I, when we were even, you know, in the thick of running the company, I loved walking the national and looking for something that, that, and Rich was doing the same thing and it's amazing. He'd find some stuff that I didn't see and vice versa, but we'd pick up type cards of things that were, that we hadn't seen that were not in the price guide so that we could actually put in these almanacs and things like that. Um, you know, to, to broaden the knowledge, you know, of, uh, of, of what was out there. And so that was a lot of fun. I don't, I, I do a version of that now. I mean, I'll still pick up stuff if it's unusual, but, you know, I would say I'm not quitting my day job, but I don't have a day job anymore. So I, I'm just a hobbyist. And, and like I say, the occasional show, the national, it's been great fun connecting with, with the old friends and, and the podcast has been a way to do that too. You know, So.
0: Yeah, it's definitely adds another element to the hobby and uh, um, I think we live in a fantastic time now because TOPS, Panini, these other card companies, they've done such a great job uh, creating these beautiful cards and uh, putting making them available to us and certainly there should be no responsibility as we spoke about you know to get anything, um, but to be able to enjoy it and say, oh, if, if there's something I like that I see, then yeah, let's, let's take a look and see what it takes to get into my collection. Um, I think, uh, I think that's probably as collectors, what we need to do, we need to have a, there needs to be a turning point of, you know, I don't have to get everything, you know, but I would love to look through and, and just see if something just really kind of catches my eye. Um, but, uh, so now the one question I have for you is, um, the, I'm sure you've heard this gosh, 11 billion times probably, Um, you know, how do you value a card? You have somebody that says, you know, well, Beckett is the Bible. And then you have other people say that eBay is the Bible. So I I would love to hear it from, you know, the authority on the situation. How do you value cards nowadays?
1: Well, I would say there's only one Bible, but, you know, there's actually not just one Bible because there are different denominations that have, Uh, the Bible plus some additional books. So, but if what uh, Protestants think of as the Bible of 66 books, uh, it's a little sacrilegious to say that either eBay or my old company and our price guides were biblical. If that was intended to be authoritative, which the Bible is no longer authoritative in our culture. So, I don't think eBay is authoritative or Beckett. Uh, uh, publications was authoritative either but they're helpful they're helpful and uh, if I were going to be selling a really expensive card I'd I'd look in the I'd look in the OPG or you know get out the most current uh, Beckett price guide but I I might also look in the SMR if it was graded I might also I'd go on eBay I'd check Com C I'd look in the Beckett marketplace I'd look uh, Starstock I'd go anywhere where they're selling a bunch of cards that I think this might have some, uh, some uh, you know input or some way to get a, a handle on what the card is is really selling for. Um, having said that, if it's a one dollar card or a five dollar card, I'm not going to do a bunch of exhaustive research. So I'm either I'm going to do the thing that is most handy. If I'm at a card show, and it's a five hundred dollar card, I'm gonna I'm gonna do some research. If it's a five dollar card, I'm gonna say. It's either worth it or it's not. I might, you know, and that's where the Beckett uh, price guides would be really helpful. If you've got one with you, you, just flip to the page, look at it, and it's four bucks, six bucks, ten bucks, two bucks, whatever it is. And you could say, well, I either want to do it or not do it. So, again, not authoritative, but helpful.
0: Yeah, I think that's uh, uh extremely helpful information, um, for people to know, to hear from you about this, that, uh, you know, there's not necessarily just one place, but really kind of get a better feel of the higher dollar cards by looking several places. Um, not just Beckett, not just eBay, but, um, you know, other places as well. Um, and altogether. And also there's a lot of higher dollar cards that will never see the market. You know, they're
1: just private sales. So the higher dollar is a completely different market. And basically when you're talking about one of ones, they're really not even in the price guides generally. And so basically you're looking for comparables and so you have to be your own price guide analyst. And that takes time. And you, you can, you'll do that for a card that's hundreds or thousands of dollars or tens of thousands of dollars. You're not going to do that for a $5 card. So that's why I'm not saying that Com C and Beckett marketplace and sport lots and the Beckett price guides and all their only long tail. I mean, they have, information on a lot of stuff but you know for the average the 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 99% of the cards are just they are what they are and you you know you're you reach into your pocket you don't have to mortgage your second mortgage on your home yeah
0: yeah Excellent advice. Excellent advice. Okay, well, we'll go ahead and stop this here. I think we're coming up on fifteen minutes, and I know you got got some stuff to to do there. So, uh, thank you very much for having me. Do you have any other uh, or for coming on to my show this time? Actually, um, do you have any uh, any words for uh, for our listeners here?
1: Well, I I, uh, appreciate you, Tanner. I mean, I think you're a you're a doer. You're a creator, and uh, appreciated your book where you were somewhat vulnerable about uh, sharing your story and I think that's that's really healthy. So uh, I, I wish you the best. I do want to get you back on my show and the next time we do so, I want to do like the dueling questions because this was just you asking me a few questions for your show. But I think if we go back and forth and the questions don't have to be related, I think we could fill up 15 minutes. I'll have some provocative questions for you and I'm gonna give you a homework assignment to figure out You know, it's we only have time for two or three or four questions. But that's been a lot of fun. Where people that I know really well ask me one kind of question, people that I don't know as well ask other questions about either the past, present, or future. So, and I'm I'm game pretty much. So, enjoy your work. I enjoy your work and appreciate your uh, you uh, being in the in the industry. So, well, thank well, you well, very much. I also cross paths. We're gonna get this COVID thing fixed up, and then uh, I'll I'll see you uh see you at something.
0: I, I'm really looking forward to seeing that that Wall of Fame that you have there, and I'm looking yeah. forward to you.
1: Uh, I'm hoping that. I can do this dinner again in January, where I have my two dinners. And if you're you're Houston, right, Houston area? Yes. I'll invite you. I just I hope it's not going to happen if it can't be safe. But if it is safe, I think you'd have a you'd have you'd have a kick. It'd be it'd be fun.
0: Oh, I love it. I love it.
1: Great
0: so, great people. yeah. So, and uh, yours is a uh, Sports Card Insights with Dr. James Beckett. Dr.
1: James Beckett, Sports Card Insights. Yeah. Every day, not on Sunday.
0: Every day, not on Sunday, 15 minutes. Everybody out there listening, go listen to this guy talk. He's, it's great content. Great content. So, um, okay. Well, thank you uh, as always for coming on and thank you everybody for listening. Thanks, Tanner.